take your Bibles and turn to Matthew chapter 28, the last several verses in this gospel. It is the Great Commission. This text of Scripture where Jesus commands His disciples to go and take the message of His death, burial, and resurrection to the ends of the earth. The title of the message today is We Cannot Afford to Forget. There are just some things that we have to remember every single day. In fact, some of you are able to quote the passage or the verse of Scripture in the book of Proverbs, which so many of us have heard over the years. The King James Version of that verse of Proverbs 29, verse 18 says, Where there is no vision, the people perish. Where there is no prophetic word, where there is no preaching of the Word of God, and where there is no casting of vision of hearing from God and being compelled by God to go out into the world, where there is no direct mission and vision given to the church, the people will perish. In fact, many have said over the years that a church is not a country club of saints, it is a hospital for sinners. And that's certainly a, a great reminder for all of us in these days of quarantine and when these days of, of just thinking about the coronavirus and just the way that we have responded individually as a church, as a community to that, is in so many ways a great example of how we as a church and we as a community and even individual Christians should respond to the sickness of sin that has always existed uh, after the fall in this world. We need to be committed and we cannot afford to forget the very simple command that Jesus gave to all of us to take the gospel to the ends of the earth. Now, as I've walked through the gospel of Matthew these last several chapters over the last few weeks, we've seen this kind of this high intensity moment leading up to the cross and certainly that quiet moment of the burial but then the glorious resurrection of Jesus that we saw last week in the early part of Matthew chapter 28 but today we see this ultimate moment of everything coming together this moment where Jesus not only encourages the disciples and puts all of the pieces together of the puzzle of why they have believed in him, why they should preach the message of the gospel. But now we come to this ultimate moment, this high-intensity moment just before the ascension of Jesus into heaven where he gets all of the disciples together and he says, okay, boys, this is what it is all about. It may not look like it, and certainly I know that it doesn't these days, but I played basketball in high school my last three years. We got better every year as a team, and my senior year we went 33-1. and We won every tournament that we played in. We beat teams multiple times throughout the year. We were riding high and did great. We lost in the playoffs, though, and that ended our magical dream season. But our coach was a disciple of Bobby Knight. And our coach didn't throw chairs, he didn't choke players, and he didn't do some of the antics that Bobby Knight used to do. But he believed in simplicity. In fact, our coach had 
three or four basic offenses and three or four basic defenses. And we ran these things in practice, uh, and, and we just had a handful of plays that we would run on either end of the court. And we, just like other teams, had a basic, simple strategy when it comes to basketball. Win the game. Score more points than the other team and keep them from scoring more points than you. It was just that simple. It was a basic strategy. Depending on whoever we would play and what their strengths and weaknesses were, we would play one of these defenses or one of these offenses, and we would hope to win the game. In my senior year, we did quite well at that. As a church, we don't have a thick playbook. In fact, we have a very thin set of directives from God. As far as what we're to do, what our mission is, what our vision is, and what we should be passionate about. And the Bible tells us crystal clear. When it comes to Matthew chapter 28, Jesus did not make being a church and being a Christian overly complicated. In fact, He made it crystal clear, very simple. He said, I want you to go, make disciples, teach them, and baptize them, and I'll be with you wherever you go. Listen to the words of Jesus. More specifically, in Matthew chapter 28, beginning in verse 18 through the end of the chapter, the Bible says, And Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. This is the greatest text that Jesus ever taught. Yes, he taught all sorts of parables, and Jesus did all sorts of miracles, and he instructed the disciples in so many different things all throughout all four Gospels. But when it came to the last moment before Jesus ascended into heaven, he pulled all of the disciples together. He gave them that last piece of the puzzle and said to them, this is why all of these things had to happen. And as a result of this, you're to take this message, this basic, simple playbook, out into the world and you are to make disciples of all nations. There's really two commands that come out of these three verses that I want to give you today. The first one is very simply this. The Bible tells us today to become more like Christ. If we are to accomplish the Great Commission, we must be more like Jesus. We've got to reflect who Jesus is so that the world will see who it is that we're talking about. Who it is that has called us to take this message of hope to people that are lost. You know, verse 18 is probably the unsung verse in the Great Commission because we want to go straight to the go. We want to go straight to the action. But verse 18 says, All authority in both heaven and on earth is given to me. Jesus is the commander of the universe. He is the one who calls the shots. Jesus is Lord of the church. Jesus is Lord of this community. Jesus is Lord of your house, and Jesus is Lord, I pray, of your heart. All authority 
that exist anywhere in all of creation, Jesus says, belongs to him. All authority in both heaven and on earth, he says, has been given to me. Therefore, go. So our directive of accomplishing the Great Commission does not come from us having a desire to see people saved. It doesn't come from our church saying, I want to be active in my church community. The Great Commission begins and ends with obedience to heaven's King. That's where the desire comes from to take the gospel to the ends of the earth. Not because we feel like it, not because we voted to agree with it, but because Jesus Christ, the King of kings and Lord of lords, says to go. One of my favorite movies of all time is A Few Good Men. In that movie, Lieutenant Lionel Cathy, played by Tom Cruise, he is the lawyer, and he has Colonel Nathan R. Jessup on the stand, played by Jack Nicholson. In that scene, he is talking to Colonel Jessup. And Colonel Jessup looks at him and says to him, have you ever served in a forward area, son? He says, no, sir. You ever put your hands in another man's hands and asked him to do the same? He says, no, sir. He says, we follow orders. We follow orders or people die. It's just that simple. It's kind of a, uh, in that moment in the, in the scene, it's a, it's a pinnacle moment because it proves that Colonel Jessup is the one that is large and in charge. We follow orders or people die. We do what we're told because that's the way it is in the army. Friend, we follow orders of heaven's king or people die. It's just that simple. Either we march in line with the will and the word of God and bow our knee to the lordship of Jesus and recognize his authority that has been given to him and we carry out the great commission that has been given to us as a church or people will die. Listen, we're concerned about people and this coronavirus. We're concerned for our health. We're concerned about a worldwide pandemic and something that will sweep through the air and will cause all sorts of death and sickness and all sorts of issues. I'm telling you, for thousands of years, a, an even worse sickness has been filtered all through the universe, and it is the sickness of sin. And the only solution that we could ever count on is the vaccine of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The blood of Jesus Christ covers our sin, pays the price. And if we're ever to make a difference in the world for the gospel and for the kingdom of God, we've got to become more like Jesus and be compassionate about where other people are and where they're going to spend eternity. In fact, when you just begin to think about becoming more like Jesus, some of you in these days of quarantine have unfortunately run out of things to do. You've run out of shows to watch. You've run out of things to do. Well, here is a directive from Jesus that never gets old. This directive that Jesus gives, this command from heaven's King, 
is simple. It says in verse 19, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. In this hour, there are hundreds, if not thousands of people that will die worldwide of all sorts of sicknesses and disease. People that perhaps never had the opportunity to give their life to Jesus because nobody ever bothered to tell them the hope that comes from knowing Jesus Christ. You see, we boil the Christian life down to all sorts of things. We want to live a blessed life. We want to live a happy life. We want to live a life that other people are envious of. But I'm telling you, in these last moments, Jesus did not give a recipe for how to have your best life now. Jesus did not leave the disciples with a book on how to be blessed and how to make other people jealous, how to be healthy, wealthy, and wise, and how to have the kind of car that you've always dreamed of and the house you've always dreamed of, like so many people will lie and tell you that that is what following Jesus will do. Friend, we are not merely a Christian because of what it will do for us in this life. We are a follower of Jesus because Jesus gives us hope for all of eternity and he gives us a command to share that hope with people that need to know him. That is what the Christian life is all about, becoming more like Jesus and sharing the hope of Jesus with those who need to know him. Don't get fooled into reading a New York Times bestseller and thinking that the whole purpose of being a Christian is about you. Jesus said, all authority in heaven and on earth is given to me, therefore go. So it simply comes down to this. Every moment in your Christian life is about Jesus. It is about being obedient to the call that he's put on your life. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. And then Jesus says, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. There is a great mystery. A lot of people think, well, listen, Pastor, if I'm going to make a disciple of somebody, if I'm going to teach them all things, then I have to know everything about everything before I can be faithful to share the gospel with somebody who doesn't know Jesus. Nowhere in the Bible does it say that you cannot share the gospel of Christ until you know everything that there is to know. In fact, a disciple is very simply this. It is somebody who teaches what they know to somebody who doesn't know what they know. It is someone who has been walking with Jesus, who knows about Jesus, and who is eager to tell somebody about Jesus. You know, my dad used to say about me when I was a kid, he said, you eat when you're bored. Well, I'm afraid that's probably true of many of us today. When we get bored and we have nothing to do, especially in these days of quarantine, what do we do? We go to the pantry. We go to the refrigerator. We start looking for snacks because it passes the time. Well, so many of us need to feast on the Word of God. In fact, I would ask you this. If your spiritual life depended upon the diet of the Word of God, that you take into your life and you take into your body, how long would you survive? You know, I've kind of made jokes over the last few weeks, although I've 
still think it's funny, of the number of rolls of toilet paper that people have purchased, or the number of boxes of mac and cheese, or the amount of food and snacks and supplies that people have, uh, have purchased and hoarded in their house. They are ready for the long haul. However long it lasts, they are ready. But what is that storage room of the Word of God like in your head and in your heart? How much of the Word of God have you feasted on? How much of a steady diet of the Word of God do you have in your life? So that when given the opportunity to teach someone what you know about Jesus, you don't just tell them two or three sentences, you can speak for days upon days upon days and never repeat yourself because of all that Jesus has done for you. How much a time and attention and energy and effort have you put into knowing those things about Jesus so that you can then teach and tell someone else? Jesus calls us to go to all nations and make disciples. And he says to teach them all things that I have commanded you. Here are the basics of what you need to teach someone. You need to tell them that Jesus Christ is the Son of the living God. That He came to this earth 2,000 years ago and took on flesh as the only begotten Son of God. That He lived a perfectly sinless life. That His life and His ministry and His death and burial and resurrection fulfilled hundreds of prophecies in the Old Testament and even His own prophetic words while He walked this planet that Jesus was betrayed and that He was crucified. And the reason that He was crucified is to pay the penalty and the price for your sins and mine. That Jesus was placed in a borrowed tomb. And three days after He was buried, He walked out of that tomb, gloriously resurrected with a resurrected body, and He ascended into heaven. And that Jesus sent His Holy Spirit to live inside of those who turn from their sin trust in Him as Savior and Lord, and are born again. Those are the basics of what it means to know Jesus and what people that don't know Jesus need to know about Him. You know, back over a hundred years ago, in the year 1904, in the month of May, the United States joined in the effort to build the Panama Canal. For about 10 years, the effort had been made to build that canal to connect, really to connect two sides of the the world with one another, to give them a thoroughfare to go from the Atlantic Ocean to the Pacific Ocean without having to go all the other way around the world. The Panama Canal was a short 50-mile, relatively short 50-mile stretch that needed to be cut so that the two oceans could be connected together. For 10 years, thousands of men had died trying to build that canal. And in May of 1904, the United States joined in under President Teddy Roosevelt to help build the Panama Canal. Within just a few days, dozens of American workers died of yellow fever. Some of them had died with this fever that caused internal bleeding. They couldn't figure out where the yellow fever came from. All of a sudden, one doctor 
that was under the charge of the Americans looked through some Cuban medical journals and discovered where the yellow fever was coming from. It was coming from mosquitoes. Mosquitoes would bite the men that had the yellow fever and they would take the virus in. Then they would bite someone else that didn't have it and then they would pass the disease on. So the medical doctor asked for a, back in 1904, a $1 million budget to fight this disease and he was given $20,000. With that $20,000, this doctor decided to do a few things. He built screens around the makeshift hospitals for every man that had yellow fever so that the mosquitoes could not get the, the virus and get the fever from them and pass it on someplace else. They fumigated every place where the men worked and where they slept. But even more than that, the doctor found that if you put oil on top of any water surface, it would smother the eggs of these mosquitoes so that they could not breed and they could not live again. He took a handful of men over a 500-mile radius. They took oil and found every puddle, every water tank, every source of water, and poured oil on top of it. And within days, the number of victims of yellow fever went down, and the Panama Canal and the army of men who were building that began to replenish. Why do I tell you that story? Because so many times in a church, something small, something insignificant, can suck the life out of a church, out of a home, out of an individual Christian, and rob them of the power that God has given to them to make a difference in the world. It doesn't have to be something big. It doesn't have to be something that is monstrous and evil. It can be something small that literally worms its way into your life and it sucks the power that God has given to you to make a difference for His kingdom. And so many small things can make a church ineffective to become more like Jesus and to take the message of hope to those who need to know Jesus. Think about your own life. What is it that has robbed you of the time, the energy, the effort, the prayer commitment that comes, the commitment to the Word of God? What is it that's come into your life that takes and takes and takes and makes you ineffective? Is it a habit? Is it some form of entertainment that takes too much time, too much energy, too much money, and at the end of the day, you've done nothing to advance the kingdom of God? Perhaps during these days of quarantine, when you're looking for things to do, you can set aside some of those other things that just suck your time and energy away and take your focus off of Christ and put those things to the side and put your time and your focus and your energy back into the Word of God, back into your prayer closet, back into your time where you're connecting with Jesus and then looking for opportunities to make a difference for His kingdom. In order to make a difference for the kingdom, we've got to, first of all, become more like Jesus. The second step of obedience the Bible gives us today is that we need to bring others to Christ. Yes, we need to become more like Christ. 
But as we do that, the goal is then to bring others to Christ. Listen again to what Jesus said in verse 19. He said, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. This is a moment in the life of every Christian where they stand before God's people. They identify with the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. They identify with other believers, and they are making a public declaration that they, when they go under that water, that they die to themselves. They are gloriously resurrected, and it's a symbol that God has done a great work in their life. It's much like a little boy who got saved during the Sunday school hour. And a Sunday school teacher said, you need to go find the preacher and tell the preacher that you got saved and that you need to be baptized. Well, the boy ran right up to the preacher and he said, preacher, I just got saved and now I need to get advertised. And you know, when you think about it, baptism is an advertisement of the gospel of Christ. It preaches to people that you are dead to the person you used to be, that that person is buried and that you are now alive in Jesus Christ, and that you have been raised to walk in newness of life. Here's the problem. The baptistry, the moment of baptism is supposed to be the first time that we make a public declaration of being a follower of Christ. But for so many of us, it was the last time that we made a public declaration of being made new in Christ. Perhaps the last time that you were a faithful witness for what Jesus has done in your life was the first time that you gave your life to Christ, stood before God's people, were baptized and were made to be an advertisement for the gospel. But ever since then, your gospel witness has gone by the wayside. Maybe ever since then you've wanted to be blessed. Maybe ever since then you've just wanted to stay busy in the church. Maybe ever since then you just want to, to do different things as part of being a Christian other than telling people about what Jesus has done for you. Friend, Jesus gives us a very skinny playbook. He gives us just a handful of things to remember that we are called to do. And as I said in the beginning, if we are unfaithful to make disciples of all nations, and if we fail to tell people about what Jesus has done for us and what Jesus can do for them, not only are we failing to carry out the Great Commission, we are guilty then of high treason against heaven's King. We have one command, and that is to make disciples of all nations. And my question to you is not whether or not we should. My question to you is not even how should we. My question to you is, are you? Are you faithfully engaged in sharing what Jesus has done in your life with somebody who needs to know Him? You might be sitting there saying, Pastor, I don't even know where I would start. I don't know how I would do that. I don't even know where to begin. Well, I've got a simple process for you. In fact, we can all do this today. You've got time on your hands. You can begin this today. Get something to write on uh, some sheet of paper and get a pen or a pencil. And I would encourage you and challenge you to think of five people that as far as you know have no relationship with God and have never been born again. 
I'm not asking you if they go to church. I'm not asking you if they're a good person. I'm not asking you if they bake pie for somebody next door uh, and, and, and all of that stuff. I'm asking you, as far as you know, that they've never come to know Jesus personally. I want you to write down the names of five people, and I want you to make a commitment today to those five people. Here's what I'm asking you to do. Number one, I want you to pray for those people every single day. Over the next 30 days, I want you to pray for those five people every day. Pray that their heart would be softened toward the gospel of Jesus. I want you to pray that they have opportunity to hear the message about what Jesus has done for them and how their life can be forever changed. I want you to pray for gospel opportunities to just come into their life that God would make them spiritually sensitive that when those gospel moments come, that they listen, they have ears to hear, and a heart to receive and believe. I also want you to pray about your own gospel witness. And ask God to give you moments where you can share with them what Jesus has done for them. Pray for the Holy Spirit to draw them to Christ and that they they would come to know Jesus personally. Here's the next step I'm challenging you to do. On that same sheet of paper, I want you to write out a three-minute testimony. I want you to write one minute of what your life was like before you came to know Jesus. Then write a simple statement, and then I met Jesus and my life changed. And then I want you to write about a two-minute paragraph that would take about two minutes to share about how Jesus has changed your life. And I want you to memorize it. I want you to remember that three-minute testimony. And as you're praying, and as you are asking God to make those five people spiritually sensitive, with that three-minute testimony, I want to encourage you over the next 30 days to find as many creative ways as possible to share that testimony with those five people. You can do it through FaceTime. You can do it through texting. You can do it through email. You can do it through phone calls. You can find creative ways to call that person, text that person, FaceTime that person, and just begin like this. Hey, I was praying today and you came to mind. Is there anything that I can be praying about in your life? You can do that. You can do that without any hesitation or any problem. Just let somebody know that you're praying for them and ask them how you can be praying specifically for their needs. Ask them how they're doing during this time of quarantine. Ask them if they're nervous or they're concerned about their own health and safety. And then share with them how you know that your eternal destiny is in the hands of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that even if something, whether it's the coronavirus or something else, robs you of your physical health, you know that your spiritual health and your spiritual uh, destination is in the hands of the Lord Jesus Christ. Find as many creative ways over the next 30 days to witness to those five people, and let's see what God will do if you're serious about saying yes to Jesus and carrying out the gospel of Jesus Christ. Several years ago, I had the opportunity to go to a governor's prayer breakfast in Louisiana, and I heard the former head coach of Florida State University football team, Bobby Bowden, speak he gave a great encouragement to all of us who were there that day but he ended with perhaps the greatest tragedy 
and the greatest victory that he ever had in his coaching career. He said that one year in 1986, on September the 13th at 2 a.m., he gets a phone call that Pablo Lopez, a six foot four, 281 pound tackle, had been shot in the chest and had lost his life. He was called at 2 a.m. to go to the hospital, and there he met with the family of this Florida State football player. He embraced them, he cried with them, and he took all of the players who were there that night into the chapel, and he cried with them, and he prayed with them, and he encouraged them. And he said to them, boys, he said, the next day we're going to have a team meeting at 10 o'clock. The very next day he brought all of the players into the locker room at 10 a.m. He put an empty chair in the middle of the room, and he said, boys, this chair is for Pablo. Where is Pablo? Where is he? Where has Pablo gone? And he said there was lots of tears, lots of emotions in that locker room. And then he said he took that opportunity in September of 1986 to share the good news of Jesus Christ with all of those football players and told them of where they could spend eternity if they gave their heart and life to the Lord Jesus Christ. Just a few moments after the team meeting broke, Bobby Bowden went back into his office, and it wasn't long after that a young assistant coach just starting out in college football knocked on his door. He sat down across the desk from Bobby Bowden, and he said, Coach, he said, that stuff that you were telling those boys about, about eternal life and the stuff about Jesus, he looked at Bobby Bowden, he says, is that real? And Bobby Bowden looked at his young assistant coach and he said, yes, sir, it is absolutely real. And he asked that young coach if he wanted to give his heart and life to Jesus. And the coach said, yes. Bobby Bowden got his old Bible out that was given to him by his mother. It was weather torn. It was falling apart. And he put that Bible on his desk and he opened it up and shared the gospel again with that young coach. And that young coach gave his heart and life to Jesus Christ. And by the way, that young coach on the staff of Florida State University was none other than Mark Rick, who had a great career at the University of Georgia and then went on to coach at the University of Miami and had been doing the same thing for his players and for his assistant coaches that Coach Bowden had done in sharing his faith and trust in Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what your sphere of influence is. It doesn't matter how many people listen to you or how many people think that you're amazing. If you just knew of five people that needed to know what Jesus Christ had done for you, wouldn't it be worth your time, your energy, your effort to at least commit to those five people to praying for them, praying for their salvation, and finding any way and any opportunity you can to to share what Jesus has done with you and share that message of hope with them. Maybe some of you that are listening to this message today have never given your heart and life to Jesus Christ. I want to encourage you to make that important decision, that eternity-changing decision today. You can comment on this video. You can contact me. My email address is randy at columbiabaptist.com. You can make a comment on this video on Facebook or YouTube, and Pastor Aaron and I will reach out to you and share the gospel even 
more so with you, answer any questions that you have. But friend, if you have no confidence that if you were to die today, that you would step out of this life and step into heaven, if you have no confidence that your sin is paid for and that you have trusted in Jesus and made him Savior and Lord, then do not wait another moment. Make Jesus Christ the Savior and Lord of your life today. And friend, listen to me. If you have made that decision, if you know Jesus personally, there are people who are waiting on you to be faithful to say yes to Jesus by sharing the gospel with them. There are people whose eternity is hanging in the balance and you are the only source of gospel connectedness that they have. And it's up to you. Jesus has said, go and make disciples of all nations. Teach them, baptize them. And then he made this promise, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. There's nothing to fear. There's nothing to be afraid of. Jesus is with you. Now just go with him to go and take the gospel to the ends of the earth. Would you pray with me? Our Heavenly Father, we thank you so very much for the time to worship, the time to hear from your word. And Father, as we continue in worship and as we continue as we hear a song of commitment to give all that we have to you, I just pray, God, that you would impress on our hearts to be faithful, to do all that you've called us to do, to fulfill the great commission for your glory and for the salvation of those who need to hear. We pray all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, this is Pastor Randy Johnson. Thank you so much for joining me for What's the Word? That show airs every Wednesday night at 6 o'clock on 101.9 WAIN right here in the heart of Adair County in Columbia, Kentucky. Or you can catch the replay of What's the Word on my podcast, which is called Walk This Way. And you can find that in several different places. You can find it at anchor.fm backslash walkthisway on the internet, or you can find it on different apps and, and places that carry podcasts like iTunes, Spotify, Pocket Cast and all sorts of uh, places. You can find this broadcast. You can find messages that I've preached. And I just want to encourage you to make it a point to tune in, subscribe, and listen to all sorts of content that's on my podcast, which is called, again, Walk This Way. Thank you so much for joining me.